think a lot mm -hmm. of guys don't like to be uncomfortable. And I think all those years prepped me for now. I mean, I moved my whole life to another country. I had an amazing life back home with a business that was thriving. And I was like, this doesn't make me happy. I want to do what makes me happy. And I think that's what success is, is really chasing what you love. And you're going to be alone on that journey. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think they want that. But when it actually happens, they're like, shit, this is better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, cool. So today we're, we're joined by a special guest. Uh, Joe Funicello played professionally in Finland and Iceland, grinded some years out in Europe for those who know his story, started a crazy amazing company called Soccer Visa dedicated to finding talent that slipped through the ranks, especially in America, um, cracked open a youth academy and now is his sites building a nice professional development center in Costa Rica and making a name with a professional club there. So also, the man who really gave me my start, so forever grateful to you for that. So, Joe, welcome to Footwork. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. You guys know I love a big fan of you, too, and I <laughs> as well as the show, so. Of course. Thank it was you, funny. Thank um, we were looking, I was looking through some, uh, just some videos of Soccer Visa, just prepping for today, just kind of going back on some memories, and it's really funny to see um, those combines back in Danbury, Connecticut, and Sean and I front row, just ready to, to prove ourselves. It's just hilarious to see, like. Before it all happened, the calm yeah, before the storm. Yeah, it was awesome. Those combines were amazing. I mean, you guys kind of set the bar, like those years set the bar for us to be a company to take seriously. I mean, our showcase games were high, high level shows, mm. you know? And it was Especially, you I remember that one before Iceland. Holy shit. Level was I was high. like, everyone here deserves a contract. It was crazy. I mean, it was crazy, you know, and that's what set us up. Like when you guys came to those things and the players were like, holy shit, like there's good players here and it's mm -hmm, taken right. seriously. And we weave out the guys that aren't the level and just say, hey, I mean, it's that simple, right? Like, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. But you're not the level and it yeah. helps us, you know what I mean? Now, I'm sure so, uh, a bunch of our fans um, know you, know Soccer Visa. You know, we have a lot of parallel lanes. But for those of you, for those who don't know you, could you give us a little background on you know, how you got started in the game and how you eventually took your talents abroad? Yeah, um, I just, uh, out of high school, I, I, I had, you know, it's all about who you know, and I had a personal contact or, or a family friend who um, was with the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars at MLS. Um, now they're the Red Bulls. He put me into, into the team out of high school. I was with the reserve team and contracts back then weren't really that big. So uh, this is back in 2005. Um, Red Bulls came in, bought the Metro Stars to make a long story short. I was released and left with nothing. So I traveled around the world like most guys do, like guys you speak to, going to combines, tryouts, paying agents, all these different things, just trying to make a name for myself. Nothing happened. Was playing PDL and I was like, what the heck am I doing? Like, it was PDL was like USL2 or NISA back then. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, there's no scouts at the games, there's nobody at these games. It feels professional, but it's not professional at all, right? Because mm -hmm. um, there was no opportunity for me to move up. So I moved to England on a one-way ticket. Didn't know anybody at 19 years old. Spent two years there grinding in the lower leagues. Figured out football, the competitive side of football, the regulation and promotion side, which means so much. And um, 
kind of my career went from there. I just networked and found ways in, played for free, went to Iceland, got sold a lot of, you know, but I was able to make it. Um, fell out of love with the game around 26 for many reasons. I uh, wanted to help guys like me. I always knew I wanted to be a coach. And towards the end of my career as a player, I was actually running sessions for my team, my pro team, because I was like, hey, coach, can I can I run a session? So that's amazing. Like, yes. And that's when I fell in love with coaching and scouting. And here we are now, what, oh, you know, some time after. And it's crazy. We're going to have our own professional club starting in January. You wait for this one, because this one's going to be different than <laughs> <laughs> I love when Joe gets serious because I, I just know, like, I know what's going through this guy's brain. That's amazing, though. I mean, ups and downs, it's such a – I mean, you are all alone. You know, we yeah. are lucky. I mean, we're kind of like the next generation of this who's learning from guys like you who can kind of point out how to get through in the international with agents, with scouts, with CVs, with all of this. So like, can you, can you just touch on that? Just being completely alone, just thrown into the deep end with the wolves. Like, what was that like? I think that's the main thing is being okay, but being alone and being okay by struggling. And I learned to do that. And I, I, mean, I just married to the game. It's kind of like, you know, those songs they say, you know, the rap songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's true. Like I was just married to the game and this is what I want. I didn't feel alone. So I had that ball and I was gonna, everything was with that ball, you know? And I think a lot mm. of guys, don't like to be uncomfortable. And I think all those years prepped me for now. I mean, I moved my whole life to another country. I had an amazing life back home with a business that was thriving. And I was like, this doesn't make me happy. I want to do what makes me happy. And I think that's what success is, is really chasing what you love. And you're going to be alone on that journey. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think they want that, but when it actually happens, they're like, shit, this is- When the test comes, it, it, you know, it's- Exactly. It's a little exactly. different. That's, you know, leaving the country, like you said, it, it forces you into the environment where it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to find out whether you like it or not. Yeah. You know, and after, you know, that we, Dylan and I kind of had this idea we wanted to leave the country and play in college. But after going to your combine and me and a few other people, it was clear, like, this is what has to be done. If you really want to make it to a high level and find out, you know, what it is the professional football is life, you need to leave the country because the States just simply doesn't have it at the moment. And I get, I get a lot of lash or I get, I get some, a lot of people don't like when I speak about us soccer and I don't mean it in a horrible, bad way, but I think like these guys that are here now, they're like, shit, like even third division teams here play like it's like it's their last game because they want to get promoted and they want to get into the first team. There's a reserve team for the third division. And it's like, mm -hmm. We don't have that level of competitiveness or that environment or that mindset. And yes, we have amazing players. Are we growing in soccer? I don't think we're growing in soccer. I think we're getting smarter business-wise, meaning we're sending younger players as a team. MLS. Yeah, but we're not creating opportunities for players. I don't care what anyone says. Um, and that's the truth, you know? So you got to get out of that environment. Boy, and I feel like, I mean, just you noticing this was – I mean, it had to be the, one of the biggest reasons you started Soccer Visa was just like seeing all this talent like yourself slip through the cracks. So like, when did you know that? I mean, I know you said you fell in love with coaching, but when did you know that you wanted to start this, this agency? You know, more, it's more than an agency. I wouldn't limit it to that. But this idea just to help players who don't get seen. Well, I'm not going to mention any names, but I was actually 
invited to a combine by another company. And mm. um, I was actually, they wanted me to work to tell my story, which was fine. And then I started picking the guys up and I was like, shit, like this is kind of messed up because I'm in the, I'm in the background with the guys who are running the combine and no one's really taking anyone seriously. And I'm in the car driving these guys to and from the airport. And um, I was like, no, this, this is not right. There's good players here. <laughs> and that's, that's what sparked me to say, well, F these, this company, and I'm mm -hmm. going to try my own because I want to give guys a true, I just want to give them knowledge, you know, like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember they left the guys at the airport, at the hotel, and they didn't have a ride back to the airport. I didn't know the logistics. Maybe that's what was paid for or not, but I was like, no. So I took a car, my own car, and went to pick them up and did like six trips to bring them to the airport. And in those six trips, I was kind of telling my story, but they're like, how do you do well in combines? And I was like, wait, I'm on to something here. Like I did all these combines. Can I give advice? And right. that's how soccer visa kind of started. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. So what year was that? So when did that all start? Uh, 2012. That transition. 2012. 2012. Yeah. 2012 wow. Damn. Coming up. On wow. What a come up. Dude, it's been amazing. And I think, uh, yeah, I think we're just getting started, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that's why I think like, you gotta be scared. You, even when you gain shit, you got to be okay with losing it. And mm -hmm. uh, like built a huge youth club. If you like our youth club was 800 players in two years. I mean, we were killing it. Like, you know, COVID hit and we would have been fine, you know, coming out of COVID. Mm -hmm. But when COVID hit, I was like, this is not what I love to do. Yeah. And that was a good point you made yesterday about, uh, not yesterday, just before about success and success. Like you said, I feel like it's just so personally related like your success is not someone else's success. So to someone else, this youth club would be the pinnacle. But for you, like you did it and it was a, it was a success in other people's eyes and in yours. But for you, it was like, now nah, my heart's somewhere else. I was going against everything I preached. So I don't mm -hmm. care what youth club is run in America. It's bullshit. They're not giving players opportunity. Maybe you're training them right, but you're not giving them opportunity. Why? Because I came into it like, with, oh, we're going to give we're going to give these guys a real opportunity. We're going to train them like pros. And yes, we hit the market. And because we were different at training and mindset, we grew and our bank account grew like crazy. Right. Mm. But the reality is the environment and the mindset of the parents and the culture in America, even the best players, they're not, they're not wired to want to be successful in soccer. They're wired to want to go kick, kick the ball with their friends and, if there's like the high school teams, if there's a party, they're going to miss practice for a party. And they're, they're 100%. Your elite. Yeah. Yeah. They're your elite team. And you're like, mm -hmm. wait a minute. So I was going against everything I preach. Yeah. I was collecting a dollar mm -hmm. and uh, it was killing me. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. I was planning sessions. And if the kids show up or not, and the parents know or not, it doesn't matter. They're paying. And I was like, yeah. no, I. I can't do this. You know I mean? How much do you put down just to the environment? I mean, like you trying to build this in a, in a country that just doesn't do it. Like, do you feel like you, you know, were just limited by that? I lost weight. I was stressed. I was, mm. uh, I was limited by just the environment. Yeah, like top coaches, we'd hire top coaches because they were considered top coaches. Like college coaches because they attract people, right? Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I can't even like – I don't even want this guy running a session, but the parents, are like, the parents are like, oh, what a session because he's loud. And it's like, no, you're playing Rondo in a 30-yard grid and it's, you know, a 20-yard grid. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you're going against everything you believe in, you know. And I get a lot of heat from college coaches because 
listen, I don't believe in it, you know, but that's what I was selling was like, oh yeah, this high school coach is here and this college coach is here. So you got to come here. And it's like, no, yeah, that's not yeah. So what would you tell people, I mean, high school age, middle school age about weighing college versus weighing a dream of being a professional soccer player, especially in America? How would you, like, what would you tell them? If you want to get, if you're not a top 25 pick, not top 25 player in the country, it's just, just uh, like in top drawer and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, and you really want to play pro, understand that no matter what school you play at, it's a vehicle to get an education. That's all it is. It's a mm-hmm. vehicle to get an education. But now, and I hope COVID's woke people up a little bit, you can get an education at anywhere online at any time. So why not 100%. chase the dream and learn real life experience, get, go through real life experiences while you're chasing something you love? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And that's the information. I, why go to college and play, let's say the season's three months. So three, so six, true. nine, 12, 12 months out of four years. Come on, crazy. Guys. Think about all that, all that time you're spent not getting touches. You're not when, when, you or know, you the people you're going up against after are playing yeah. year round. Or you get caught in the environment in college and you're not training right because you're getting drunk, you're partying, you're yep. studying, whatever it may be, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I give advice. You know, if you go, listen, I think we're realizing, forget soccer in general. And I think COVID's helped us realize this. Your best teacher is experience. In anything you want to do, right? Yeah. If you mm-hmm. love something and you put the hours in, you're gonna learn yeah. the craft. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn what it's what's needed too. Like, just to you know, come back. You guys gave me my start in Australia, and it's not where I wanted to end up for forever. But it taught me just some of the things that I need to have if I'm going to excel, succeed on my own. I mean, like in that first one, being alone and being happy with being alone, and like. I mean, there's just so much, like you're 100% right. There's so much you can gain from experience rather than reading about it or hearing about it. Like you just got to book that ticket and just go like you did in England. Yeah. No, that's true, man. And look, look, I mean, you got, look at that jersey you got behind you. Those are experiences that you can never I was, I was wondering if you were going to peep the soccer visa. Right. That's cut off. That's the, cut off for the workouts in Sweden that we were having. <laughs> the one behind you on your left, like what? Look, you went out and got it, and I'm sure, you know, and Sean, you played in Mongolia. Like, these are things that, like, you're going to remember for the rest of your life. You, you know, you, the cultures that you had to adapt to, the, the things you had to learn, these are real-life lessons that after you're done playing, if you stay in the sport or not, are going to make you even more successful because of how you adapted to them. So. Sure. 100%. Yeah. Sure. I feel like that was one of the big reasons why we started this podcast. It's just, like, we felt – we had so many stories to tell and just experiences to share that like, you know, could just help players or help people see that, that, that there's more out there and there's, there's so much fun in it too. Like, yeah, there's hard times, but at the end of the day, like you said, I'm going to look back and I know Sean's going to look back at these Mongolia stories and it's just going to be like, <laughs> you're going to be so proud to tell them hundred sure. percent. And it creates, like you said, like it, when you do the, when you have these experiences, it creates this new baseline, this new normal, right? Like being, being in an uncomfortable place. You didn't grow up here. Maybe the language you're struggling with speaking like this is just normal now, right? This uncomfortableness, this is just part of your life. Right. And it it forces you to figure things out and it forces the best out of you. And if you're, if you're, maybe this is not for you and maybe your mind's a little weak, then you're going to realize, no, this isn't for me. I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And 
in Mongolia, there were two players on my team that they left within three weeks. They realized, you know, it wasn't for them. Not going to name their names, but it, they at least made the jump. And then they realized, oh, wait, this is not what I want to do. That's okay, I, I, I can't deal with it and I'm out. And that was it. You know, so I think, like you said, the experience is by far the most important thing. And for young players in America, it's hard to understand the culture of football around the world outside of America, in Europe, in Central America, South America. Like it's not like this is life, you know, our friends here, what do they do when they're kids? They go to school right after school. They're going to the park to play soccer until it's dark. They go home. And maybe they'll do their homework and then they do it again. And then they have team training, sure. But this is, they did that seven days a week in addition to team training. And these what are the people you're going up against. Yeah, but what you're saying sounds so simple, but mm. they won't understand it back home. I know, like, and it's, that's the hardest you can't, part. No. You can't. It, you have to experience it. Like, that's like when you even come to Germany, Mongolia is a different thing. But Germany, it's like football is the topic of every conversation you hear everywhere you go. Yeah. Every headline on the newspaper is about football. Oh, Every man, time you like go to a bar, what are people talking about? Football. Same like it's, it's, mm. it's, And that's, that's basically everywhere but America and Canada maybe. You know, it's like this is just the culture. This is how they, they live and breathe it. Even if you can't play, they know about it. They yeah. understand the game. I'll give you guys something. And this is something that we can talk about. I think it's, it's, it's awesome. So Kyle Martino is from my hometown in Connecticut. Not my hometown, but my area. And uh, he was running for Amp. Um, U.S. presidency for the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he came into my parents' restaurant and he said, hey, Joe, we got to end pay to play, right? That's the reason. And this is a guy who's played MLS play. And I'm just like, no, 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 it's not pay to play. It's the environment. It's the, we have to change the environment. We have to change the culture. That's how you're going to change U.S. soccer. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, pay to play, right? And I could go, you know, do you guys think pay to play is wrong? I think it's I mean, gray think, for me. It's gray area I, for me. I, I think, sure, it would be maybe you'd, you'd get a few more players that slip through the cracks because they can't pay, can't pay. But at the same time, like, you just don't have the culture. Like, oh, I'm going to play for this team when I'm 10. And if I play really well this season, I'm going to move up two leagues. And then I'm going to play for this team. And then maybe I'm going to sh- get a shot at training with the youth pro team in the local area. So let me ask oh, you guys. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. And you guys know I love these conversations. But – um, okay, so pay to play is wrong. Why? Because the best players can't get an opportunity because they can't pay. You probably heard some of my videos, so don't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I, I would say, like I, like I said, I, I, I don't have the strongest stance on this. I'm more just trying to absolve information. But like, I just feel like you miss out on a lot of underprivileged areas where you know, minorities and people who are struggling in poor communities cannot get the access or the time to, you know, get seen or play. Free, best players play for free. Right. Wow. I was just going to, I was going to add that point. There was, mm-hmm. there's always players, especially on my club team, there were two players couldn't afford it. They didn't pay. And you want to know why? Because they attract the players that can't pay. Right. So what do we do? We create an environment where the best players are given everything. And at a certain age, when they realize they're given everything, their mentality goes soft and they feel privileged. And um, same with college. 
So let's say there's a guy who's been paying all their life to play, but he does well and he gets a college education and his college, uh, his college, um, it gets like a scholarship and his college is top notch. Like, I mean, they have better facilities than some of the facilities you played at in Mongolia and stuff like that. Now they feel privileged. So when they go to these places, their mind's so weak because they're like, damn, I don't have a whirlpool and I don't have a trainer and I don't have this. Mm-hmm. And that is what's wrong with U.S. soccer, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. I, I tell this story, um, and I think it's a great story. Patrice Evra, Jordan Morris. I just used these two as an example, okay? Patrice Evra, captain of the French national team. Jordan Morris, U.S. star, right? Both good players. They're playing at a good level, right? Jordan Morris just got to move, right? I mean, these are good players. Patrice Evra played in the lower divisions in Italy and Spain when he didn't have any money and nothing. You understand? He knows what it's like to struggle. Jordan Morris played at an amazing university, got drafted, had everything in his pocket. There's a 50-50 ball. Whose mentality is probably stronger because he's been through. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You get what I'm saying? That's the difference in culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see it. I mean, around the world is um, I've talked to some coaches and scouts and they talk about if they're putting like, and they've used the example, an American player against a player from, I mean, it could be from anywhere, just from a, a lower privileged area. Who are they more likely to believe is going to give everything? Not the American. Because the American, at the end of the day, is the American going to give every single thing to this cause when they've been maybe a little more pampered? Now, that's not everyone, but we've used the example on the podcast before is like, guys that go to these colleges, um, even Oneonta had great facilities, great physios, access to all these things. Then they go and try and get a contract abroad and maybe they start out in a couple lower tiers, maybe not even the lowest tier, but they're not getting the same access. And to them, it's like, I'm not pro, you know? Because it's everything that they've been provided with. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. And it sucks. When we got, now these guys are for 90 days. We've been here, you know, they'll be here for 90 days. And when we got them the first two weeks, they were like this. Because they were like, I was telling them the things you're saying, you know, and they're like, shit, I never thought of it that way. You know, Mm -hmm. we play a third division team here and they haven't practiced all year, but they're going in with them fighting because they just are happy to be on the field because COVID, you know, and and the guys are like, this is third division. Like, yeah, like this is their life. life. It's life. Yeah. They, they have nothing to fall back on. Like um, another story I was reading about was like Africans on trial in Europe and how literally they have nothing to go home to. So they will give every single last, they'll go with no money, you know? And I, you talk about a lot in your combines too. Like I remember is like how, you know, yes, it's money, but like, what are you risking for this? You're going up against guys that will put down to their last cent to get a trial, to get a look. You know, it's, it's so different. But people think about money and that's a sacrifice. Like, yeah. my business partner tells me all the time, because sometimes, you know, we've had money. We've grown a company. It doesn't make me happy. It comes, it goes. Like, we're take, we're, what makes me successful, I think, and made us successful as a company is – I just I'm happy to be on the field with a whistle and mm-hmm. players. And I think when I when you do that, the money and everything comes. Hundred percent. I think you players do what you love. About their bank account. 
Now if, there, if there, if I mean, we've talked about it in verbatim on the podcast, but if there's one thing that you can, I can give advice to any player out there is you forget about the money. If, if you're focused on the money from the beginning, you're, it's not going to work. Mm. And that's the thing is like, I don't remember one time going through the struggles where I was like, I need to make this much money. Right. I was just like, fuck, right. get me on a team that oh, if I can pay for housing, oh, thank God. And like, it led to making a lot of money a year, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and everyone's first question, like I get these top college guys that didn't get drafted, just went to a top D1. I speak to them about coming out and they're like, well, how much do you think I can get paid if I make it in second division in Sweden? I'm just like, all right, my man, wishing you the best. We'll talk soon. I literally sometimes, <laughs> I literally say that. I'm like, listen, you turn me off. I wish you the best of luck. Huh? And they can't understand it. And I don't have time yeah. to explain it. And you can't, like you just can't explain to people why would you, you know, for example, why would you go play overseas and make two hundred dollars a month? I love it. Why? Why would you do that? Why? Why would you not stay home and you can make four thousand, five thousand a month? Why would you go there and make two hundred dollars a month? And the experience isn't valuable. And I'm growing at a player at such a faster rate. How I always mentioned it to people when I first started. I think of myself as a business. I'm growing myself as a business. My business is larger than it was four years ago. So my intrinsic value is now worth more. Maybe one day I'm going to get to a point where a club is willing to pay a lot of money for me. And that never would have happened if I said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to work a job and I'll play soccer on the side and I'll play, you know, NPSL, PDL, maybe USL two and make 500, a thousand a month. Yeah, it's going to work out, but no. And what happens if I don't make make it to a team that pays me a hundred thousand, you know, a month. Well, guess what? This experience is invaluable. It's priceless. Sean, you, I mean, Sean, that's, you just dropped such a gem. I mean, seriously, like I hope people really understand that and they, they won't, but like you said, you're your own business, right? So let's say you, you you're creating experiences for yourself and knowledge and, and, and which is going to help you make more money. But also if you, like you just said, if you don't make more money, you, your business was all these, you invested in yourself, which is the business right. to gain all this knowledge. So the next thing mm-hmm. you're going to do is mm-hmm. do that. Exactly. I hope they hear it. it's simple to listen to, but it's hard to feel. And I hope they do. But. Everyone in our shoes should look at it. Like you're an entrepreneur and your product is you. I mean, and no one's going to see the building blocks behind the scene, but that's what's setting you up so that we can, I mean, get better contracts, get better teams. And I mean, it's, it, it's all, it's all part of the journey that I just think, as Americans, we're very superficial and want that clout to say that we're professional. And you see it like as soon as guys sign their first contract, no matter what it is, on the Instagram bio, professional soccer player. And I, I, I mean, I won't like, I get it. I totally get it. I was the same way like when I first came out. You want to just, you want to just, you want to be it, you know, and you want people to know it. But when it really comes down to it, like, these type of moves, when it gets hard, it's like these guys are the first ones to turn their back on it because, yeah. you know, it's the image. It's not for the love. And that's the, that's the choices you have to weigh. Yeah, no, 100%. Oh, I can speak. Hey, you know what's funny about that, too? Imagine, like, you just turn the tables. So all, you know, us included, you know, you get your first pro contract, all these other guys, and then you post on Instagram – what your situation is not you just sign a pro contract you put out put out five twenty dollar bills here's my money for the month yeah 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 Sign my yeah. first contract you know so excited yeah well i signed i signed my first like amateur contract i signed my first amateur amateur contract but i'm getting 
I'm getting um, food and housing. I'm going to work my way up. It's just, if there was a social media app where everyone was completely honest, man, I would love to see that. Yeah, I'm going to walk with you guys to my other side of the house because I don't know what they're doing out here in Costa Rica. I heard some monkeys, though. I, was I heard monkeys, God. too. There's definitely monkeys out here. I've seen sloths in your guys' Instagram and YouTube videos, too. Like, Oh, yeah, there's monkeys in our backyard. I don't know if you guys can see my backyard, but. There's monkeys everywhere. The beach is over there. That's unreal. That's crazy. Yeah, I love it here, man. I moved my how's your Spanish? How's your Spanish? Getting better. I mean, yeah. we're gonna. I gotta take classes. I want to be fluent mm-hmm. in it because mm-hmm. if we're gonna. I gotta have 75, 80 uh, percent Costa Ricans on my pro team, so I gotta mm-hmm. be able to speak the language. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it should it should be a little easier just from you knowing Italian, right? Just the parallels of the language and stuff. Is it? Yeah. Coming- it's going to be easier for sure. Um, I already picked it up pretty good, you know? So Joe, I want to come, I want to come back um, to our talk about Kyle Martino and then the pay to play, but I want to put you in the, in the power seat and you just won the presidency for us soccer and your job. I mean, it's a, it could be looked at as an impossible job, but your job is to, is to turn us soccer and, and form it to, to be a success as much yeah. as it can, because you know America and the capitalist society that we are. So, what are you doing first as president? That's <laughs> a tough one. Tough one because of cult. I know what I would do, but I don't know how the culture would embrace it. And mm. it would need, I need to be public enemy number one for a long time in order to show the change. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Okay, well, first thing I would do is I would make youth soccer clubs or youth academies their own identity. I, I, would, I wouldn't care if they were academies or um, they're, they're playing in, in other leagues. I'd make one league, right? Mm-hmm. I'd find a way to be hard because there's so many teams. Maybe I would do like conferences with relegation and promotion for their age groups. I don't know. I'd have to think it out. But the most important thing is allowing teams to have player cards. So players didn't have the teams and players couldn't just hop, right? They had to deal with tough situations. Like maybe you're not playing, but we own your player card. So, you know, maybe it's like a two year thing where like, or a year and a half or 18 month thing, or even if you're not playing, I still own your player card. Cause you can just leave a team, you know? And I think it creates the wrong environment, right. And culture because it's like, Oh, I'm not good enough here. So I'm going to go to a team. I'm good enough, you know, or that team's in the A division. So I'm just going to jump there. There should be some type of compensation for youth teams because we're creating, the, you know, there are good youth teams there in, in America with good coaches. And then what happens is USDA comes out and this good coach loses their top players because of the marketing part of USDA. So I would create some type of system where players would have to stay on their team and they can be sold or there would be some type of compensation for them to stay on. Right, that that gives mm-hmm. and then that allows players to not have to pay, right? Because okay. if you're in my pro, and it's it's kind of like the European system, and it'd be so hard to instill because American, you know. But that's the first thing. Um, the second thing was I'd be fight tooth and nail for relegation, promotion, and other leagues. If MLS didn't want to do it, I'd fight for youth academies to have a pro team as well, and they'd have to be responsible for selling tickets to their youth club. Mm-hmm. get people in the stands to create a culture and environment where you know there's fans in the stands you know and things like that but they had that was part of their business model was 
getting their fan. I never understand NISA or USL. I, I, I can't understand it. Like, why don't you guys have youth clubs that the youth kids come to the games? I can't. Like, I would probably do that as well, you know? Like, there's there's pro teams with no youth people, kids, and there's, yeah. no, mm-hmm. there's no people in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a hard question, man, because there's so yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just put in the, woof. I don't know. It's a great question. I, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if it can be done in three years, two years. It'd take like mm-hmm. 10 or 15 years. And would the culture and environment have the patience for me to come in and really know it's a 10 to 15 year project? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you would, I think you would relish being public enemy number one, though. Yeah. Well, for a little bit. I did have to get me out because the things I would say to some people, they wouldn't like. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So I, I was listening to this one thing that Alexi Lalas was saying about the MLS and he was saying that it's, it's more competitive because a different team can win each year as opposed to like say an EPL where, you know, your cities, United's Liverpool's the odd Leicester city was a crazy one, but he was saying that MLS is more competitive because of this. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. First off, have you heard Alexi Lalas commentate? Yeah, I have. <laughs> that's all we need, that's all we need yeah. to say. He's that's usually a butt of a joke in a in a in a yeah. in a group text, but yeah, I mean, um, that's what's wrong with US soccer. Those people have a say, you know, and those people are captains and people. And I don't give a shit because, like I said, I'm gonna get there one day, and I'm gonna be on the microphone, and I'm gonna be able to mm-hmm. say this right to. I'm not gonna be in US soccer. I'm gonna be coaching, or this club will be huge in Concacaf or something. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to say that is what's wrong with US soccer. Alexi mm-hmm. Lawless. American tube sock player that believes things should be a sock player. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. it's yeah, funny no, though because he did play in Italy for for a few I don't know how many years, but he did play abroad. Yeah, but he didn't take the European culture with him. He kept his American mindset, you know. Um, but listen, nothing against him. I just don't agree with his philosophy or his thoughts. But no, I don't think it does. You know, playoffs. So oh, we had a shit season, but we clinched playoffs and we had a good run. So we made it, you know, no, how about you consistent? Cause that's what the game's mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. being good consistently. Right. Yeah, and exactly. And that makes sponsors come bigger sponsors. Like, Oh man, United is the top team. So we're going to give them more money, which allows the soccer environment. It makes Leicester city say we got to compete so we can get more money to buy better players. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, the, and I mean, also, the TV rights alone. Right. And, and the fundamental thing in America, which just doesn't work with, with soccer is, is the draft. Let's do poor this season, so we have a first draft pick. That is against every competitive, uh, you know, spirit that a team can have. Let's let's gonna, lose the last few games so that we get a better pick for next year. Could you imagine a team in England, you know, that fans even thought that they were tanking? Could you imagine that? No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't know. They would be. Oh my god! It would self destruct. The whole system is based on that. You know, that these clubs are giving everything. Like these. Yeah you know, hardworking fans that are paying f- to buy these tickets. Like, ah, it's just completely different. That's a great point, Sean. Oh, you like that. Listen, we have so much to change, and it can't be done in two years, five years. You know, it, it, there's so much to change that I don't know if the environment's ready for it. The culture the, is ready for it, you know. It's just the yeah. truth. We are – we have great players, and we're getting yeah, smart. Yeah. Alexa is getting smart mm-hmm. and saying, let's get these guys out of here quick and let's get their yeah, economical yeah, rights yeah. and make a really a good amount of money on them. You know? yeah. Right. yeah, you can see it. I mean, players just going abroad early. Yeah, dude, we have some top players in America. That's why I don't say – I never say, like, we don't have top players. 
I say we always, you know, I think American soccer doesn't understand that. I say we have top players. We're just not creating environments for them to succeed if they're not picked up right away. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 100%, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, there's no, there's no second chance, really. Hey, look at these guys. They smacked Alawella, CONCACAF, like top team. Like we smacked them 4-1. But there's a guy in Alawella that's going to be sold to MLS for 400 to $2 million. I'm just saying in the next year or two. But we're out there rinsing him. So why don't you take mm. one of these guys? Right. And, you know, a lot of clubs are coming here and they love it. Guess who are the clubs that I can't get here? MLS, U.S. soccer USL. clubs? I can't get USL clubs here, championship clubs. I can't. Like, they're on the phone like, nah, don't know that guy. can't come. It's like, but fucking uh, a top team in Sweden will come and take it seriously. Or a top team in Mexico will come and take it seriously. And I'm just like... It breaks my heart for these players, man. Because I know a lot of them want to go home and play and try to be a pro in their home. But they're not even giving the sniff. Yeah, 100%. So we were just talking about, you know, the college system and how a lot of USL teams, oh, they won't, they're not interested in any of the players you have there, even though they're smacking this top CONCACAF team for one. Um, so what, what do you look for in a player? And what is often missed when... Um, unfortunately, especially in America, the CV, the resume is so important to teams instead of just looking at what's in front of them on the field. I just look to, I mean, it's hard for, it's hard. I mean, it's just not American teams either. It's hard sometimes to persuade other clubs as well, but um, I just push and push to show that um, they're better than what they have or they have more potential than what they have, more hunger. For me, I, I, there's so many different type of players and styles and systems that I just kind of try to – that's why I did this for 90 days because I can really grab players and understand and teach them different systems and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like really show their different abilities. Like I might get a striker whose back is horrible to goal, but I can play him in a 4-4-2 with a guy who's good with his back to goal. So when a team comes that I know has a 4-4-2, I can play him, you know. And yeah. I think that – that's what we, it's not about looking for it. I think it's just like you know, create, teaching them more and even teaching the scouts, you know, or, or showing the scouts that in their system it could work. And yeah. it's, about, mm -hmm. it's a lot more, it's a lot of work, you know. It's, it's yeah, awesome. yeah. It's awesome. It's, I mean, you're setting them up though in an environment that they can succeed first and foremost, which I think is, you know, something that a lot of guys, especially in the U.S., have never had. But is there, are there any attributes that you see? Um, that American coaches overlook that you think it's easier to get this guy abroad based on, you know, his playing style? Like, what kind of player is that? Being really good at simple things. Like, I, there's mm -hmm. a guy named um, Zach Reynolds. Who, who, oh, you played with Zach. Yeah, I played with Zach, um, yeah. What a player. He doesn't do anything flashy, but he balances the game so well. He's not the tallest center back. And those guys that play simple and do the simple things, like the, the, the guys that go out and get 300 games consecutively because they're just so consistent, they're mm -hmm. overlooked by the athlete that, you know, that can just run down the field. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, two, magic, but they're not consistent. But they yeah. just create mm -hmm. three or four moments magic. You know? See, that's the thing that hurts the most. It's like those type of players, you know. That's such a great point, though, because if I mean, just watching like EPL against MLS, you'll just see like it's not that the MLS is inherently slower. It's just that it's more helter skelter and less consistent. Where in Europe, it's like they really value consistency. Are you going to hit this ball, this 30 yard ball with your left foot, 
you know, nine times out of 10. Where in the US, it's like, are you going to take someone on? Doesn't matter how you get there, you knock it off their foot and comes back to you. Like, it's just <laughs> completely different cultures in that regard. That's why I hate when people are like, Sir Alex Ferguson was the best manager ever. But do you really know why he was the best manager ever? Because he had the ones like the Ronaldos and the guys that could do the three to four or five minutes of magic and create something. But you had the Paul Scholes and the Giggsies and the, you know, the guys, the Vidic. They knew how to, you know, and I think that's what people don't realize, you know, and uh, not saying I know it all, but that's what I'm excited to do with this pro team is just bring a bunch of guys that are good, consistent players and make mm -hmm. some more. You know? So let's touch on that then. So, you know, yeah. especially for people who, who may be listening to this, looking for opportunities, like what is soccer visa now? It's, it, it, you know, it started as one thing and now it's, you know, you've completely adapted just finding what, what works and the success in it. So what is Soccer Visa right now? And what are you guys trying to do? What are your goals? So Soccer Visa is a pro player development center where um, players come in and live here. It's like a residency, like an IMG for free agents. Um, we work with agents, clubs, and players that no one knows to get them here and market them to top clubs. So they live here for 90 days. They practice every day. They play games every week against pro teams. Scouts are here every 10 to 15 days. So we get three to four scouts here every 10 to 15 days. Okay. Um, and it's just a different environment because it's not like a combine where you're playing against combine guys. The scouts are watching you every week in training as well as playing against pros. So they get to, you get to be, you know, your one, the player knows his level right away because he's playing against pros, but also the scouts see you against the pro team, which is better than combine guys, right? Because come. Because a lot of the pro scouts would be like, oh, he's good, but he's playing against combine guys. Well, yeah, no, no, yeah, 100%. No. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and then the pro team I'll get into, but we've built this fucking – it's not open yet. I, we, we created – we so basically we took the community field that was dirt and donated money to it to fix it to be beautiful, and we're giving that back to the community so the community has an amazing field that they never had. We probably got one of the top five fields now in Costa Rica, and this little town had oh never – like it so we're giving that back but we built a hotel you got to see this hotel guys that we built it's opening probably april 1st we built it on my own money like we built this thing and it is oh my god it's like stadium, right? they're gonna have they're gonna have everything they need to be successful and they're paying 95 dollars a day that's why we picked costa rica right okay so 95 dollars a day for private chef for breakfast lunch and dinner training every day video scouts coming out uh, we could have picked somewhere else. It would have been like 200 bucks a day. So we, that's why we picked Costa Rica. So uh, we'll have two training fields. It'll be completely gated in. It'll be like a soccer visa compound. Um, and the players live there. And then it goes to our pro team. So that's where our pro team will train, right? Play everything. So the two, the development center and the pro team will tie in together. And we'll play in the second division. So the second, the pro team will play in the second division of Costa Rica. We have to start in the second division, but I think two years will be in the top league and five years will be one of the top five and eight years will qualify for CONCAT. That's the goal. I love Ooh. it. So yeah. now how, so now how does one just say, take myself, for example, I was a free agent. I'm sitting, uh, I'm sitting in America. How do I sign up to go to Costa Rica? Is there a vetting process you guys do? Yeah. Is there a combine in America? How does so that work? No, nope. So it's 30 guys we take only. They got to submit an application. Uh, been doing this for a while. I can tell by video if he's decent or not. Mm -hmm. um, I'm undecided on him. I invite him in for a week. It costs seven fifty. The seven fifty goes towards the, the final payment for the ninety days. So you don't lose the seven fifty if you're selected. 
it goes towards it. Um, and you train with us for a week so we can see your level and then we'll invite you in. Um, but yeah, you, you apply. I call references, you know, there's the soccer world small. If you're good enough, yeah. you come 90 days. You know. We try to get you out. We got five player contracts in Italy. Julian's one of them. Um, yeah, Julian. Has he been balling? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, you know, I may be. Listen, to take you guys that I have my soccer views all stars, they might get a call in the next year and be like, sorry, guys. You five are leaving wherever clubs you're at because you're coming to play for me. And we're gonna work. <laughs> hey, Joe, yeah, my phone is always on. But Julian is a top player. But, yeah, so five players from Italy – or five players are going to Italy already. So we don't want to keep you here. We want to get you out. You know, okay, yeah. I mean, that looks good for you guys too. Yeah, of course. We want to get you out. Now, what are the foreigner rules in Costa Rican football? And does it differ between the tiers? Third division eight, second division five, first division three. So when uh, you start in the second tier, you're only going to be able to have five American guys. Yeah, but I'm looking at ways to sign more. I'm sure you're always scheming. There's always residency ways. We'll of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, I like that. Now, I mean, when you were building this up, I know we had a couple of discussions, and another thing that you were looking at was bringing guys in to just – do off seasons there. And Sean and I have talked about this, like, especially, you know, if COVID, I know like maybe different places are different, but, you know, getting guys in to, to, to do a week or two weeks with sessions run by you and, and getting all of these things um, that your development and pro players are getting now, are you still looking at doing that? Yeah. So we were supposed to have like four or five guys, MLS guys, like a guy from New York City FC, guys from USL. They were supposed to come down for two weeks just to train. They were going to pay for the two weeks to come down. Mm -hmm. uh, but COVID, they'd have to quarantine for two weeks and they, they didn't want to do that. So, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, if you get like, if you've got good guys want to come down for preseason or like before preseason, we have everything here, trainers, uh, cold baths, top of the art this field, like, I mean, beautiful Bermuda grass field. So, so come down, spend two weeks. I'd love to share. The other part to it is, like, they can share their story with the development center players. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I was just going to say that. There, there's That's twofold there, is that if you have players playing abroad already, I mean, like, it's not like we, we, we know everything, but we have a lot of experience up until this point. And there's a lot of things that I wish I would have known when I was 21. And if someone told me, like yourself, who I learned a lot from, you know, it's it's always better to know more information from people that have done it already. That's only help. You don't, you know, don't be close to other people just because it's not your journey and you're like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Be open mm -hmm. to what they do and see how it ties into your story. You know? mm -hmm. 100%. Exactly. Now, Joe, I mean, you've you started coaching at a very young age and hanging up the boots. Um did you find it difficult to make that transition as a, as a coach, not in terms of loving love for the game. I know you said that you fell out of love, but oh, okay. as a coach, just like some of, you know, being a young coach, sometimes maybe it's, it's tough to demand respect or have people listen to you. Like, did you see any of those hurdles when you started out or was it a pretty seamless transition? No, because I, I'm the type of guy that like gives it to you straight. I'm not really scared of confrontation. So that mm -hmm. never, you know, that was never it. I think it was more being a captain instead of a coach. My first, year i was more of a mm -hmm. cat on the sideline than a coach and there's a big difference um and you know my first job in iceland i made some mistakes 
Uh, we we, we should have won the league. We were first place for a long time in my first year as a coach, and we had the lowest budget in the league. And uh, But I made some mistakes as a young coach about, you know, things. That, and, but that's how you learn. So, no, I, I didn't find it hard, but there are things you learn along the way that you're like, oh, shit, like this is – you got to make – you got to create distance and walls and barriers where a captain, you don't, you're one of the guys, mm-hmm. you're not one of the guys. And some yeah. of the players are going to hate you. You know what I yeah. mean? And like, mm-hmm. how do you deal with the hate? Not so much like the confrontation, but like the hate, like he doesn't like me. He's creating cancer. How do I nip that in the butt? You know what I mean? There's things that, you know, because your philosophy, That's a good is point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, your philosophy and how you coach is going to make you successful or not. Right. The way you set up your team, but all the shit that happens to set up your team, yeah, that's the hard part. Player management. That's what that's yeah, what Alex Ferguson was was so good at. Yeah, that's what we want to do here. We want to build the Man United of Central America. You know, it's or Concacaf. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just like that. Like we're everyone's involved from our staff. You know, everyone eats together. Everyone cries together. Everyone laughs together. Everyone celebrates together. We want that type of environment. Yeah, hundred percent. It looks like you guys are building that. I mean, just following along from the immaculate youtube videos you guys have been putting out that's all that's all that's all my boy right yeah no jp you think he no no uh, no not jp no 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 daniel no racinos yeah he came with us to iceland yeah he's the man daniel's the best yeah so that's from everyone everyone has to eat man i think that's when you put the club or you become a coach Mm -hmm. everyone has to have roles and responsibilities and you have to hold them accountable for that but Mm -hmm. everyone eats you don't leave. You don't. Your best players aren't treated differently than your youth players. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, just building. I think building a culture is like, I think one thing that you've always been really good at, and I feel like maybe what set you apart, as from Sean and I were doing combines, and we said this as we were prepping for this, was like the giving it to you straight, like the honesty part of soccer visa. Like this is what it is, guys. And you feel like that's what you really wanted to focus on when you created this company? Yeah, I think competition there isn't because nobody slept in airports like me that run a combine company. You get what I'm saying? Like no Mm. one was told, yeah, you're a good player, but this, no, they lied to me. So I don't want to lie to players. And I think that's why we've done so well, you know, and there'll be another guy that comes through and is business savvy. That'll be a good competition for us. But right now, (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. right now, there's just nobody's been through the struggle and nobody gives it to you straight because they mm-hmm. haven't been through those things to understand how to give it to you straight. You know? Yeah, right. 100%. So. And like you said, they, ha- they haven't been on the receiving end of those, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, I thought you did well today, um, but I'll, I'll let you know. Like, no, you didn't play well. You could have done this better. And for this reason, like, they weren't interested and that's it. And for me, it was very refreshing. I didn't, nothing came from, um, to me from your combine, but it was refreshing to hear this and to see you give it to other players. Like, listen, you're, you're just not, you weren't good enough today. Maybe you're a great player, but these three days you didn't perform. Or I'm sure in Costa Rica now it's the same thing. Like I've seen I mean, videos on Instagram where you, um, it was like pregame and you're telling uh, someone like, hey, you haven't played well. This is your opportunity. Take this player's jersey. The coach yeah. were shook. We had coaches from Mexico here. So we played a third division team and I put all the Mexican Americans to play. Because like they're Mexican. So like if they're Mexican Americans, they have a better chance, right? And the first ten minutes we're killing the third division team. I mean, we're higher level than the third division team. 
Two yeah. mistakes, we go down 2-0 in 15 minutes. And we're playing like shit. And I was – so the scouts were sitting on the bench. So everyone came in. I'm like, sit down, shut up. Sit down, shut up, don't say a word. I was like, why the fuck are you here? Why did I invite these people here? I'd rather be at home partying with them, having a good time, growing my contact, than showing them you. Why? Because you're scared. You want – the lights are on. You need to perform. And the scouts are like mm-hmm. – But it worked because the, yeah. they went out there and killed it, and it's just giving them straight. Here it is. It's not a lie. The scouts are here. Perform. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's one of the biggest things is like a, a player can be really good, but when the spotlight is shown, like they just get afraid? Yeah, I was that, you know, I was that as a player. I think when I got kind of put in a freezer by the coach, I kind of lost my hunger, like not hunger. I had a tiger. Like I was never really nervous as a player um, mm-hmm. until I got put in the freezer and then I had to come out of the freezer and I was like, shit, I was so worried about playing well because I wanted to get out of the freezer. Yeah, you didn't want to go back in. Yeah. Oh, no. And I, lost my mojo and that's kind of thing a reason why i think i didn't get to the highest level i could have because i was a completely different player before i went in the freezer to when i was trying to come out of the freezer mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I think it's a big thing you know it's like is, the, is is that the biggest advice that you would have gave yourself as a player like looking back on it now just yeah fear paralyzes you mm-hmm. it stiffens you and um you got like yeah, you know what gets you there you got to remember it and then when you get there like okay i got here because it, of it yeah 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 even as a coach yeah. even as a businessman like it freezes you you're going to, i've been in big meetings with like big companies and i'm like <laughs> you know you get, yeah yeah now sean and i love this quote that is from this book and it's like what would you do if you weren't afraid and it's just like you know your potential is you have no idea like if you go into that meeting or you go into the tryout or the combine, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I get nervous before trials. I'm, you know, 27. I was getting nervous last year before trials, but it's also like, you know, if, if this fear and nervousness is going to paralyze me, then I'm hundred percent not going to get this contract because I can't show them what I am. Like you have to remember that. Right. So it's your fear, fear paralyzes you. And that stiffens you up. I see it all the time. Like, even when I coach, that's why I go over to some guys. I'm like, hey, relax. Or the minute they make a good tackle, I'm like, what a player you are. Yeah. It's like, they got to get out of there, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. As a coach, is that, like, one of the big things that you would say is recognizing that each player is specifically different and then helping them thrive like, based on those differences? Like, a kid game. could be shy or egocentric. It could be anything. Yeah, in, the game, in the game, you know. Like, I, I do shit. I play a lot of mind games, like, like let's say there's a negative guy who's like a center back, right? And he yeah. actually says something good in the game. Like, you know, he'll be like, oh, well done, cuz like, well done, this guy or this guy, you know? And um, at halftime, I'm like, fuck, man. I'm like, in front of everyone, I'm like, that's what I need. I need leaders like him, even though I know he's negative all the time, you know? I'm like, I need leaders like you. I need, cause then all of a sudden he's like, shit, I have responsibility now, you know? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or like, you know, if a guy's scared and I see he's scared, and like I said, he, he does a great pass, you know, I'm like, what, Hype it player, up. what a player you are. Because mm-hmm. you know? then it takes him, someone believes in him. and It's crazy, though, how, how big performance is based on ego, though. Like, it's crazy how much people can eatherly turn it on like that or turn it off like that. And it's, yeah. it's important, like you said, to have coaches like you that can recognize that, 
each player is just, you know, gonna, is going to be different and you can't give the hairdryer treatment to Bobby when you, you know, would give it to Pat. It's just, it's completely different. A lot of, I think a lot of coaches overlook that. Uh, yeah. And I say stupid shit. Like I, I'll go over to my goal, my goalkeeper coach. Right. And this is the true story. And I've done this at the pro level. I go over to my goalkeeper coach and I'm like, listen, I'm about to fucking rinse you, but it has nothing to do with you. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm going to come in the halftime. I'm going to fucking rape you. And it's the goalkeeper coach. And they, and he'll understand because I've talked to him before. And I'll go, fucking, my fucking keepers can't catch a cross that's fucking, or they come out and make the wrong decisions. I should fucking get rid of you. I should fucking get rid of you. Like, I, I say shit like that. And he knows. And he just sits there. I would never get rid of him because he's my heart and he's my staff. You understand? Yeah. But one, my team is like, shit, we love this coach. We got to play well. And the goalkeeper is like, I need to wake up because this goalkeeper coach cares about me. So I, mm-hmm. I do those things all the time. You know what I mean? mm-hmm. That's amazing. Right. And to bring it to bring it back to like just coaching and, and realizing that sometimes you're kind of you're going to be like the public enemy. It's like it's important to know that. Even my favorite coaches throughout the year, at times I hated, hated. But that is what is necessary. Because a player is going to – when you look back at it years later, I can understand more why he does this or why he does this. Or even if he made a wrong decision, like why he still did that. Yeah, but I, I realized that as a coach. You're going to be hated. Yeah. There's a guy, his name, his name was Paul. I love him. He's my heart. He, he texted me yesterday from Senegal. I was coaching in Iceland, and boys in Iceland will tell you the story. Me, when, if practice starts at 10 – you're on the field with your shoes tied, passing a ball at 9.45. You understand? So if I want to call practice in at 9.46, you're already ready. Yeah. So I coached in Iceland. It was my first time coaching. I was 28 years old. Right? I told everyone, practice starts at this time. Everyone shows up on time. This guy comes with sag pants, beats by Dre headphones on, okay, at 10.01. <laughs> we had a week-long meeting about our first practice workshop. And he's like, what's up, coach? Co- my assistant coach, can you get a chair? Can you get a hot – it was cold and nice. And we practiced outside in turf. Can you get a nice coffee? Hot coffee for me. That's no problem. Put the chair in the middle of the field. I give him a hot coffee and tell the players, sit down, relax yourself. Just sit here. Here's a coffee. You want it? And the other team ran. And everybody's like – and the, our team mm. ran while he sat. Everyone thought I was crazy, American mentality, this and that. No, it was to show them you're not more important than the team. Long story short, kid, the kid was a player. He was a good player. Like, he, he could change the game. But he was, wasn't training right. He took that moment as, like, oh, I embarrassed him, stuff like that. So I put him in at the end of every game because he was quick. Like, he was fast, right? So our first game of the season, we needed to win. We had played preseason. He hadn't started. He had been starting the year before for the coach before. So he was pissed. He hate. I mean, he hated me. I knew it. They could sense it, you know? But shit, I got to make him a better player, you know? I got to teach him a lesson. I got to stick to my coaching philosophy. I can't bend here. So we're playing. We go up 1-0. And first game of the season, as a coach, like, you need to win that game. It sets the tone, right? So I was like, perfect. I'm going to put this guy in for the last 10 minutes, and he's going to be pissed at me, and he's going to score goals, right? He's going to cause havoc. I put him in, he banged two goals in 10 minutes. On the second goal, he ran over to the, st- the sideline, and he was like, fuck you. But he said it not in a way like, he didn't do this. He was like, fuck you. But the crowd was yelling. I have it on video, too. 
crowds yelling. Because uh, Chris was on the bench with the video, Chris McCollum. And he's like, fuck you. And I grabbed him like this. Because, you know, I could have got, you know, I didn't want the fans to hear it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So the game was over. He scored two goals. Okay. We get in the locker room. Everyone's showering, happy we won. He's sitting down. He scored two goals. I go, hey, everyone, well done. File, please stay behind. So Fowl stayed behind, gets out of the shower, he gets dressed. He's like, what's up, coach? I locked the door. His name's Paul. I locked the door. I said, Fowl, let me get something straight to you. I said, I'm your coach. I'm your boss. I decided to play you 10 minutes, the whole game. That's up to me. But if you ever fucking come over to the sideline, and it's just me and him in the, no one else is in the locker room. If you ever come into the, in, if you ever show me that type of disrespect in public again, we'll lock this door. And me and you all sort it out here like men. Is that understood? And his eyes lit up. From that day, he went on to have be one of the best players in our team, got transferred, and me and him are best friends. Like, we're like, wow. Know, amazing. Those things, you know, those are important. Man. I think it went the other way, but. I mean, that's a that's Amazing. a that's a testing point for you as a young coach too. It was like too when I said that shit, you know. It's your first. That's your first hair dryer treatment right there. Like, love that. Shit. So, that's amazing. You guys should come down here and do a podcast here and train. And I, like I said, I'd love to have you guys. I think you guys are in it for the right reasons. So don't tempt me. Don't tempt us with a good time. Uh, that's the truth. That's a that's a yeah. invitation on live camera. It's an invitation. You guys, come down here. Um, and, and, and train and, and I'll take care of you. I swear I swear if it, if if I get week two weeks I'm I'm there, especially if Corona's settled. 100%. Like as a preseason to run set I mean, we talk about it in our Sweden group chats like, you know, your sessions are legit. So I know I could I could go into a a preseason here in Germany and just be like a little bit ahead of people. So hell yeah. And then live in Costa Rica. Yeah, all I ask, you guys do a live video podcast there with the field behind you. That's all I ask. 100%. That's easy. I'll take care of housing and food. You Easily. guys take care of that. 100%. 100%. I mean, that it, it, could, it can't get any better than that. <laughs> I mean, everyone heard it, so it's here. It's here. <laughs> That's 100%. <laughs> Joe, man, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, if you guys need anything, you know the phone's always open. All right, best of luck to you both. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves. Also, Kung Fitness and Merchant Designs, baby. Follow us on Instagram at footwork underscore podcast. Twitter is at footwork podcast. YouTube and Facebook, just check out footwork podcast. Search it. Email us if you need anything, any questions at footworkpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, plug, plug, pass. Tell your parents, Amazon delivery guy, mailman, I don't know who, just tell them. Like, subscribe, review, all of it helps. Danke.